Hi guys, welcome to Don't Think Twice. Oh, it's 2018. The 2018 edition. The 2018 it's edition. It's changing. It's a whole new year. Okay, whole new so lease on life. This is the deal. We're upping the ante this year. Yep, uh, bigger and better. We are. We've made a lot of really lofty promises to ourselves mm-hmm. this year. Um, we are. Which uh, means you will have to suffer. While we tell you all about them. <laughs> and figure out our way through the jungle. Um, we are jumping into a ton of creative projects, full scale, um, hitting that freelance life mm-hmm. 24-7. Um, Going to be working for ourselves by the end of this year. And um, that's what this is about. Yeah. The freelance life. So I'm sick. You're sick. What happened? Um, I have not had one single healthy day of 2018 so far. I've I've been sick. The last healthy, fully healthy day I had was like Christmas. Um, I came back with a with um being getting sick from my nieces as I do every yeah. time I see them because yeah. children are cesspool. Of but germs. then they came back to New York. And then they came to visit me in New York. King. I'm not convinced that that. Like, they didn't bring me something new as a present to New York. Although, it's possible that I could have just gotten this from, like, being around. In from, like, a subway, subway pole or something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of a little miserable, and I sound, probably sound a little ridiculous. But... Oh, you sound fine-ish. <laughs> um, I feel like I just really quickly, I don't want to talk about being sick. I just feel like every time I feel like this, I'm like... Why don't why don't I appreciate it more when I'm when healthy? I'm healthy. I haven't been able to sing, which has been such a bummer, and then I miss it so much. Yeah, and you gotta then, be grateful for your health. Yeah, so like remind me like the first day that I'm feeling better to like be a little bit less of an ungrateful wretch about <laughs> myself. Um, well, I hope you feel better soon. Thank you. Okay, so Andrew is recently. Um, full-time free, freed from the shackles of, of servitude. Yeah, I mean, free you could also just say unemployed. unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> there is a word for it. Um, yeah, full-time unemployed. I'm full-time unemployed, and I am in week... Th- I'm moving three. into week three, solidly into week three, and um, and I have no complaints. Yeah, well, so I think I think the first thing that I asked you was like, because I was tentative about it the first yeah. week because I wasn't sure how you were going to be feeling. I was like, yeah. okay, are you, are you freaking out? Are you right. super excited? Both of those things, it's okay. Yeah. And um, and you were basically like uh, freaking out 0%. zero percent. Zero. I haven't. I I reserve the right to one day freak out. Oh yeah, and I'll be here for you. Yeah, but it hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Yeah. No, uh, I feel like you've been in fact like more happy and and um just kind of like energized and i've seen you in a long time i mean i have been even even though it's been unbelievably cold for a lot of january and i don't like the winter time in general so even with that aside i've been um my mood has been great Mm -hmm. um i've been busy every day i'm busy (laughs) and we can get into like what i do with my day but my report from the field of being unemployed for three weeks is is a big old thumbs up that's awesome wait wait, so okay so i think that the most natural question after Mm -hmm. that is like okay your days are packed what does that what does that mean what does it look like well on i've sort of stuck to a monday through friday routine and then i give saturday and sunday as like weekend days Mm -hmm. but and you feel like just like having some structure to it otherwise it would just all 
bleed together your work and personal, you know, yeah. like kind of create, creating. Yeah. Own, so you and personal. I have talked about this um, jointly that discipline is a, is a, something that we can lack. And uh, or do lack, <laughs> yeah. and that uh, you know, this year, like we both want to make a concerted effort to be just more disciplined about the things we know we want to do. We're not all all out now undisciplined people, but um, everyone well, I, everyone I mean, can sympathize with like, like a two three hours like slipping away from you and you being like, what? Yeah, the hell like did what I just, I just do? do? Like why did hours. I just watch those YouTube videos yeah. of Bette Midler for like three yeah, hours? I so I get up um, between six thirty and seven o'clock every day, and that is a good hour to an hour and a half earlier than I used to get up when I worked. Um, because there's something about having the day, the day to myself, have, like it's mine to use. Um, I, I don't have trouble getting up. Uh-huh. So I get that's, up. That's amazing, actually. Yeah. I think that's actually pretty, like, a significant thing. Yeah. Because I mean, it's like, I, you know. I'm not a morning person. Yeah. You're not a morning person. Yeah, God knows. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to be like, from going from like dragging yourself out of bed at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. when you had to like work to being now just like like not chirpy per se but but like ready to like hit the ground running yeah. at 7 a.m. Yeah. Actually, that's like beyond my conception. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm getting up there. early and then I have my breakfast and then I'm, I'm meditating every morning. Now, um, that uh, has been harder than I thought it was going to be. Me too. So that's one of my, that was one of my sort of goals as well. Um, but I actually think it's been helping me out a lot in terms of really mundane things. Like, like how so? Like the a, a subway commute. I had to go all over the place, like in opposite directions to where I was headed and Oof. stuff. And so basically this would be normally the thing that it would start, that I would start my day out with this and get to work and then just be in the foulest mood and mm-hmm. my whole day would be thrown off. But, like, I really was able to just be, like, really just let it go. Nice. I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but, like, experiencing the annoying thing, but then not, let, like, carrying it with you for the whole rest of the day. Yeah, so, yeah. Anyway, sorry. But do. the return back. So you, you're starting out your day. Yeah. You meditate. I got my breakfast. I meditate. And then I sit down and I write for an hour. And I set a timer. I turn my phone off while I turn on airplane mode. And, and then... I, so it's a set. So it's like a set amount. It's like a, a set amount of time that you're just sitting down. And for gonna... me, it's a set amount of time. I sit down, and the rules are that I don't rewrite anything that I've written before, and that I don't reread anything I've written. If I want to reread what I did the day before, I do it before I set my timer. So, and then I set my timer for an hour, and the point is just to keep writing. And sometimes I'm writing stuff that is so terrible. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm never going to use this. <coughs> And I, but I'm like, I just keep, keep going and I don't check the timer. I just keep going until it goes off. Um, and I, I only do that, one yeah. hour at a time and, and that might not sound like a lot. Um, and on some days I've had, I've been very distracted and it's been hard. So in those days, a couple of days I've done 15 minute chunks. One thing that I've adopted from you that I think has, has been in the like brief time that I've tried to be, do this is really helpful is this like not going back and editing mm-hmm. and to just like write as much like get as much down of a full first draft before you go back and like you know start um tinkering with anything. T- tinkering yeah, yeah. I think tinkering is like exactly yeah. the right word because it, it it conveys the level of like 
like bullshittery that I get sucked into where like I've only written you know seven pages or whatever 10 pages of the script that I'm working on yeah and then I then every time I sit down I start back from the beginning and I'm like oh I just need to like remind myself of where Uh I'm at and then I like reread the whole thing and then I start like wordsmithing and crafting and moving stuff around and then like before I know it I've actually spent an hour and I still only have 10 pages. Yeah. So um, I love that. And, and I'm I'm really trying to adopt that. And it's been, it's, it's been tough. pretty good. Yeah. Well, I think it's, 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 it's hard because I don't know that either of us would really self-identify as being perfectionists. But, I would. But yeah, I mean, you are. I mean, you are. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I would self-identify that way, but I struggle a lot with that as well. Like um, just allowing, like I can't even, it, I like I can't even tolerate the idea of like a bad first draft being out there at all. Yeah, like as though that it has to like spring fully formed and like perfect mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. the first time, which obviously is not gonna happen. So I just have to like get over myself and just have a bad first draft and be like chill about. Uh, yeah, that, well that's 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 what. So we're that's a huge part of my learning at. curve. So enough about me. This is what I've been mm. doing. So um, no, but that's super exciting. <laughs> no, congrats. It is. Like, no, thank you. Awesome. Um, I'm like I said, I haven't freaked out yet, but I do give myself permission to at some point. Yeah, you're um, fully allowed. You, know, um, you do not have to have a fully. But um, uh, yeah, so it's like a big moment of change, right? Because I'm going to have to at some point either have another job or like be making money in a in a certain kind of way. So uh-huh. stay tuned. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what's um other than being sick for the past month? um, You know, what's January doing to you? Um, well, uh, I, like I said, I, I think, um, I'm very much on this energized train of, of, uh, having lots of projects going on, mm-hmm. lots of deadlines, feeling super, like, creatively, like, charged, like, excited about everything that, um, that you and I are working on, mm-hmm. and kind of trying to dive into, like, a million different projects all at once, and trying to be a big joiner right now. <laughs> um, I've been going to a lot more live performance, uh, not because of any concerted effort in, like, it's like, oh, this is, like, New Year resolution or anything yeah. like that, um, uh, but that's been happening a lot, uh, you know, with, you know, as it is when you amp up that side of things, it's hit or miss. Cause anywhere. It's, I mean, I was going to say the city, but, but yeah, yeah. in the city for, in some, like in some senses, not specifically to here, but it's such a saturation point with so many venues and so many performances here and so many opportunities that, um, and so many people trying to do a thing that you know there's definitely a, yeah, <laughs> a yeah, big spectrum um but whatever i never regret going to see something even if i come away thinking that it wasn't like yeah. the greatest like i'm i'm pretty much uniformly always glad that i had that experience anyway yeah on um, the other thing thing that's <laughs> happening right now is that um i'm both sick but like also on this like stupid diet thing yeah um that i'm doing for two weeks which i've never dieted ever literally in my entire life i've never like restricted yeah, myself I've purposely never known from you anything. To... Um, but again, I think it, I've, I've, I'm a little bit, and then usually I would have shut this down categorically, but I'm trying to be a little bit more open to it because of this idea that it contrib- it can contributes to this whole like um, 360 thing about the discipline, right? Yeah. It's a very like stereotypical like, tw- like New Year's moment that I'm having, which is like I'm going to like, you know, start with yeah. a trainer and then like tra- like agree to do his like wacko <laughs> elimination <laughs> diet for two weeks but you know 
we'll try let's, it. We'll let's see. just throw like, shit at the wall. <laughs> exactly. <and laughs> see, what, see what works. See what sticks. Um, and uh, if I'm like insufferably cranky after week one of this diet or like three days in and I'm like yeah. being a raging psycho, I'll well, it's like the time me. I did the 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 four hour body. That's not what it's called. It's Tim Ferriss's diet. It's like the, the four which hour is basically, work week, day, yeah. or week or whatever, work week. The four hour work week guy wrote another book about his body um or our bodies or how you can a diet i don't know some diet that he took a long time to engineer and i tried to follow it and how many days did i make it like <laughs> probably three, three yeah three um i mean you actually started it was like it was like what i, I imagine like a robot like when you when it like runs out of fuel <laughs> like you were just like yeah i remember <laughs> well because you had basically you couldn't eat anything but like cottage cheese and protein and no carbs at all. Yeah, it turns, turns out, out that your body does need some amount of carbohydrates yes. to convert to energy. Otherwise, you just... At least mine does. Yeah. And I remember because we went to the Queen's Museum with JR to see this um, exhibit. And it was kind of cold and rainy. We had to walk a long way. And I was trying to follow this diet. And I was so tired. <laughs> and then afterwards, we went to go get tacos. And I was like, I'm not going to get tacos because I can't eat the taco. I'm going to do something else. And then we got in there, this taco place. And I smelled the tacos. And I was like, like I, I, got, I have to do I have it. To like, eat the tacos. Fuck you, Tim Ferriss. <laughs> fuck you. And I had three tacos. And I came back to on life. top I mean, of the world. Really, again, again. I it then was ran like... home 30 miles. <laughs> No, but it was like the other way around. It was like you came, you suddenly like, yeah. and then like woke back up. It was, it was remarkable. Well, so I want to add one thing to your to your diet suggestion. I mean, yeah. all of this sounds fine, um, but if anyone knows Amrita, they should know that she drinks one glass of water every week, like just one. Like she never drinks. Yeah, that's liquid. that's a generous just like recommendation. A, yeah. So I challenge you to drink. Like a, a, a healthy amount of water every day, and see how far that gets you. Oh my god, it's so exhausting. Like it I, is. You know, it's tiring to do it, and then you have to pee all the time, and like that's a whole thing. Yeah, but the thing is, well, so you were. I mean, I, I, I basically, I don't know how I function because don't these? Isn't there a thing where like you can the human body can survive without food for like eleven days or something much like longer? That. But then you can you would die immediately without water. Yeah, it's like three like days three or something. Days. I don't know. But the thing is. I, be, I basically never drink water. No. You ever. probably haven't had a glass of water in, in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Except for this uh, Sel- the sparkling the seltzer. seltzer that you stole from Dwayne Reed this morning. <laughs> and now, I was enraged. And now it's in the universe. I know. We just put it out there. <laughs> no, I was, I was, I'm, if it helps, I'm ashamed of myself. I, I shoplifted a bottle of seltzer in anger. In anger. In, in, and well, as if you're going to show the man, yes. as if the Dwayne Reed empire yes. is going to crumble, I, I, like, as if the like, manager of Dwayne Reed <laughs> that was so rude to you is going to get fired or, or reprimanded because one pomegranate cherry seltzer is missing from the cooler. And also, I know how you feel about that flavor. I think <laughs> you referred trash. to it as white trash in That's the past. That's a trash yeah. flavor. Um, anyway, I said <laughs> that I felt ashamed of myself. I'm not really sure what, what came over me. And even in the moment, I was like, this is not, this is wrong. <laughs> then i did it you know it's fine I, you know, a, I was i was hangry karma came around slapped you in the face almost immediately immediately yes uh where all my very important documents i was carrying around in my tote bag became immediately soaked <laughs> by the water that i stole and then put into my bag so you know i think we're square yeah so don't steal yeah. but do drink do drink more water this yes. month and and we'll we should check in with you so um so yeah so that's like my 
my January. Well, so you and you're with this trainer for the next couple months, so that'll be interesting to. Yeah, we'll see. I'm gonna be fucking Amazon. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> or something. All right, let's take a break. Okay. back um i in in uh, uh all the great things i said about the last three weeks being unemployed yeah um, it did recently make me think about um all of the jobs that i've interviewed for while living <laughs> in the city which i'm coming up on my 10th anniversary well me later too. on in the summer you are like Next right around week. The, yeah congratulations yeah. 10 um, years in new york yeah we're gonna mark it somehow right but in that time uh you and i both have interviewed for you know, oh god countless jobs countless probably jobs yeah. you know when you when you graduate into a recession um it seems that you know yes we had that you had the unique uh pleasure of uh, uh of, not so unique yeah. but um the pleasure of uh, coming into the job market in like 2008 2009 yeah. like basically the worst moment right. so yeah the, i i would say uh, conservatively i've applied to hundreds of jobs oh Easily. like hundreds um and uh yeah no this definitely is a is a uh <laughs> topic that like cuts close to home because <laughs> like i've had so many experiences yeah. so i just wanted to share a few i think we should both share like a few all right so you want to go first or should i uh how about you go first i okay. mean i think i, I have, have so many stories, but you have some really good ones. I, have, I have so many okay so um First of all, let me start with the category of like being ghosted because I feel like a lot of things in the job hunting world are so much like the dating world. Um, being ghosted is something that has happened to me so many times Yep. Uh, in my job hunting career. <laughs> uh, I have had multiple times from totally like different places and um, I won't go into all of them. Just one of them really mm-hmm. quickly was one where... Um, and again, on this topic of kind of punching beneath your weight class, yeah. that um, I was I was applying for a database administrator job. Right. So this so was when you wanted to leave your full time job I to do to something leave, part-time. Um, yeah, I wanted to do, leave my full-time job to do something part-time. And so was, this was at an, uh, an arts nonprofit. Um, uh, and they and basically it's a very lowly job yeah. of data entry and checking the formatting on things. Yeah. So if you can believe it, there were multiple rounds and the second round involved coming in to take a written timed test. Yeah. So I basically took an exam yeah. on interview two. Mm-hmm. On how to like format like a street address and a telephone Correct. number. And then never heard back. <laughs> I mean... It like does not get like more like spit in your face than that, except for the fact, except for the time when I applied for a job that I had already worked. Yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> I had I'd worked in this role, and then um and, and I was there in a temporary capacity, and then was like working somewhere else, you know, working elsewhere. And then when that job came up for um like full time to be full, filled full time, the one that I had already worked, I applied for it and then got rejected for it. it was basically like we've seen the quality of your work. <laughs> And we can do better. And we decline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's bad. All right. I you. well, so a ghosting story. I uh, interviewed to be like the assistant to the assistant. Like couldn't be, you couldn't be more of an assistant to the, <laughs> this job. Like this is the the lowest job at the Department of Cultural Affairs uh, in New, New York, York City. Yeah. And at the time, I was working at Pace University, which is right. The building is right across the street from there from the Department of Cultural Affairs. 
So I, I interviewed once with whoever, I, whoever, you know, the office people, whatever. And then I interviewed with the deputy commissioner. And then I interviewed with a commissioner. Wow, okay. Of cultural affairs. So this was a three-round Yeah, I went there twice, but I interviewed yeah. three, with three people. And um, never heard back. Wow. You and, made it all the way up to the top of the pecking and order. And I saw them like often because we had we got off the same subway stop we ate lunch in the same city hall park it was oh, like that's intense <laughs> oh my god so you actually like ran into them physically you ran to the people yeah that interviewed you. but like you know they didn't know who I, I mean but i never heard okay that anything. is that is worse that's okay that's a worse ghosting story because that's like getting ghosted by like the guy that lives in your building but i was like come on you know <laughs> like, i haven't heard that one that's bad um okay let's see uh i got um uh, I went to a staffing agency to try to get a full time mm-hmm, uh, full time job. This was a this was to get a full time job actually. This was a, a while ago. This is when I was trying to jump ship desperately from Where our we yeah from our very bad uh, shared job. And um, I went to a staffing agency and didn't really realize that they have their own agenda, which mm. is to fill whatever jobs are on their docket. Yep. Um, the person that I happened to go to was like doing administrative roles um and i got rejected from a number of things including like being a receptionist at like a fancy (laughs) architecture firm which i really wanted to do actually because um they had so many windows it was so pretty the office was in soho and gorgeous and like all the men who worked there were like rom-com lead actors like the architect you know how they're all architects yeah it was like those dudes with like the button downs that are rolled Mm -hmm. up and like nice forearms and i was like i could totally do this job (laughs) and they were like no you can't no you can't um anyway so i i i eventually did end up getting a job at a um offer through that uh through that mm-hmm. um, staffing agency for a job at a um tooth whitening uh startup startup <laughs> okay i remember you describing that i mean yeah this was a sad situation it was a sad situation it was basically very um underpaid for um a job that would in- entail a lot of work because it was a pretty small thing and um and of course they always ask you to describe why you're passionate about the thing this is the problem what do you say (laughs) i'm like i have i mean i have like a negative interest in in tooth whitening i mean how do you have a passion in tooth? nobody has a passion for tooth whitening i'm sorry like i don't i don't know how to answer that question i think now i'm much better at answering that question which is like i don't but i can do a damn good job for you so yeah it doesn't matter whether or how much i like have a passion for for this for this product per se um but at the time i was like oh you know people need to look their best best." i don't know what i said i don't know pulled something out of my my butt but um yeah so that one that that one was a non-starter for me i ultimately found something better by myself because they really lowballed me on on salary and then told me i couldn't do better so i was like booyah bitch i did better yeah it's i interviewed for a music festival also had to do multiple interviews, met with the administration, then met with the artistic director. They made this whole stink about everything. This is a job that like anyone could, like a high schooler could do. Right. I mean, it was a matter of like putting labels on <laughs> envelopes. This is when I left my full-time job. So I was like, fine, I'll do something part-time. Whatever, like whatever you need to do to hustle. So, so they kept asking me all these questions, uh, bringing me in. And I was like, oh, this must, maybe this job on paper is different than what it is why they're being yeah. so thorough selective and picky. then they finally they actually did offer me it and then they called like we're so excited to congratulations. offer you this congratulations um the pay is ten dollars an hour <gasps> i hope that'll be okay and i was like um no <laughs> oh my god like, what? <laughs> oh my god 
And why did you waste everyone's time? Why did you time? go on multiple round interviews? And why didn't you tell me it was a $10 an hour job? Right, right. right. Um, I'll just one more for me, which is not is neither here nor there. But um, I another situation in which I got ghosted after a uh, like a pretty intense interview mm-hmm. um, was a situation in which I had a br- I had I was on this quest for the perfect black blazer in advance of this because I wear a lot of black blazers because as yeah. you know when we do like stage management stuff and yeah. like production work so I finally found a blazer that I loved I wore it to this interview this pretty intense interview for a general manager job and in which I was again interviewing with like the the head Everybody. of the head of the board and yeah. stuff so I was like wow I must be like you know, I'm a contender, Charlie. So yeah. <laughs> I, and, um, and, um, I like was taking a tour of this, this venue and, uh, took my, took my perfect black blazer off and somehow ended up leaving it somewhere in the theater. But then I got ghosted on the job. <laughs> so then I never went back to claim it. So it's still there probably. It might be. It's pro- like, I, I hope the box office lady who had initially been holding on to it, uh, was, uh, you know he's Maybe getting some good her. mileage out of yeah. it i hope so sisterhood of the traveling blazer so uh we are going to share with you a conversation that we had um at the end of last year yeah a with, couple months ago mm-hmm, um that we've been sitting on for a while but we're super 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 excited it was she this person uh vanessa vanessa king vanessa king um, she's a TV per, um, professional. <laughs> yeah, that's she's a good basically um, she's a fixer. She uh, writer, developer, all around good human being. Yes, um, yeah, and and she helps people develop their projects. That's her. Um, that's sort of her main bread and butter. Her passion. Um, but she, yeah, but she does she does all kinds of stuff uh, in the entertainment business and mm-hmm. TV. So uh, we sat down with her to sort of pick her brain about her path and how she got to where she was and. Um, it was such a delight. So we're super excited to share that with so you. So here it is. Yeah, so we might have mentioned taking a TV writing class in the spring. And this is Vanessa King, who was our teacher, our expert. I, I'm a little worried spirit guide. that you were like, spirit talking guide. about me. I hope it was good. Oh, we talk, no, we talked a lot about the class, the actually. Class. Um, okay. And... Um, which it, was great like the classmates so, or the class no no no, no, no. Oh, okay <laughs> yeah no just about the well mainly but just about the class and because like um for both of us we had no experience writing anything i don't television related that. i don't no. believe and that's it. very that's kind <laughs> that's cool but like it was it was mainly um I think, for, <laughs> no, I think i think for both of us that was just kind of this um wanting to do something a new creative thing that neither of us had ever done before just to kind of um try to take more risks of of doing like a new creative pursuit without um, without the baggage of kind of the other things that we've already done. But as much as it was our first time do, like taking that class, it was your first time teaching that, that class, That was my right? first, I mean that class specifically, yeah. I've been teaching for a really long time, yeah. but um, that was my first Like in that format. Class. Yeah, yeah. Um, and where you kind of like walk in and have, they, they're really good because they kind of let you have the freedom to do whatever you want to do as long as like the certain facets of the course are hit over the 10 weeks um but I had never I never planned 
a three hour <laughs> so like 30 hours a week of screenwriting yeah. for writing for writing specs because right. I I don't often write specs I'm a, I'm more of an original pilot writer so I was like when I when they first offered I was like yes and then I was like oh specs oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say better for to watch some TV so um, so yeah it was my first time teaching it so it was thank you for being my guinea pig <laughs> I hope it was okay it was awesome it was great I'm yeah. teaching now I'm teaching feature film writing they've, they've moved me into another no. facet of it um, and I've realized how much harder writing for television is than writing for features just like in, in the opposite when you're teaching it I'm how like, so I think the thing is with television is that there is no structure like there's a there's a generalized like this is how you can schedule your acts and this mm-hmm. is what should happen at the end of this act and this is what should happen here and here are your character arcs and stuff like that but there's no real like Guidance in the way that in feature film writing, you're like, well, I have a limit. I have 120 pages to write, so like that's the max, and hopefully less. <laughs> so um, just even in planning out your story and making sure that you're hitting the beats, with television you have that, but you have to be able to sustain it over the course of you know hopefully 45 to 75 episodes minimum. So you're really writing like War and Peace of screenplays. <laughs> like one, yeah, one, one word at a time. Yeah, one giant long screenplay that, um, that's just, I think, I think that that's what I found was the hardest part was trying to be able to relay and, 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 and teach people that maybe didn't have that experience to be like, you can do this. It, it seems a little overwhelming, but like, here, let me give you all the tools that you're going to need to do that. And I, just, I think there's just more tools that are required for TV writing. So, Well, and there's a lot more, um, even though the, it is more open-ended, you're not making like a closed circuit world mm-hmm. like you are in a feature, but it's more just like you have to create a world that's like self-sustaining for like potentially indefinitely. But at the same time, each unit is so structured, which, yeah. was, which was great because like you can have so much creativity within the structure of like, I have two pages to say this and then I have yeah. two pages mm-hmm. to do this other thing. And by page 15, this, this has to happen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's like the, the micro macro between features and television. And I think that even though there is like a, a finite number of pages in feature, you just have to shrink everything down for television and it makes it a lot more challenging to go like, like you said, I have four pages and I have to get from A to B because mm-hmm. I'm at page 15 and, you know, technically speaking, I should be having an act break here. So, like, you know, and you can always buck the system and not put the act break, but then you're going to send it off to someone who's going to go, like, oh, your acts aren't structured, right? Right. So, well, and also, know. like, there's a there's the um, sort of financial component, or, I mean, not the financial component, but, like, the sort of, the, there's the constraints of the way it's being presented. Like, yeah. there's going to have to be... If it's on network, there's like ad ad yeah, breaks. So to, like you have to think about it. I, you know, the hardest part about TV writing is thinking like a like a producer, because mm-hmm. a lot of writers it doesn't come naturally to mm-hmm. them. They're like, I'm going to write the most expensive scene in the entire world yeah. because it looks <laughs> good in my head, and you're like, that's going to cost like two million just for that one sentence. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. They're not going to do that. Right. Amazon's got money, but not that much. So. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, it's so it's uh, t- TV writing from the class and from what I got from it, it's like. It, each line matters. It's an economy of language. It's an economy of yeah. language that I find like a real challenge, a fun challenge. And then now that I, you know, I watched a movie last night, 
and it was like a, a well-reviewed movie, and there were so many lines. I was like, oh. This yeah, is you like... start thinking critically, right, when you start watching <laughs> Which stuff? Which now I sort of blame you for ruining okay. you can, my you can TV do that. and movie Pulls back experience. The <laughs> well, so I have two thoughts about that. First of all, that um, Andrew's now taking a different writing class, mm-hmm. um, which is a it's a fiction writing class. Okay. So it's totally divorced from the... It's um, the opposite of economy of words. It's yeah, like well, vomit drafts. No, yeah. but, but, that, but the, the great thing about it is that, that you were telling me about this. I don't mean to step on your no, story, but, but just that like having had that TV writing thing, you're like, well, I can say so much more with so much less. That's and true. like, and I think that's really people respond to. to well, that. it's interesting. That class, the, the 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 writers who are in that class are very experienced uh, fiction writers, and they come at it from the language and the texture and the pacing and all these things, and they seem to ha- be having more of a problem with story. Mm-hmm. And you're like having that this. having that TV <laughs> yeah. having like the TV writing experience where it's like you the story has to keep moving and it has to keep moving in a certain amount of pages in a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's just an interesting perspective. I read their stuff and I'm like, oh, you know, the stakes aren't high enough here. Like every you, this is great. Like the you're writer's such a good student. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the writer yeah, will be we, like, we're cribbing, we crib your language all <laughs> the time. That's great. I'm, and we're writing, to, we're like writing together a couple of new scripts. And yep. um, that's fun. Have you had a fight yet? We have not. No. That'll happen. Okay. It'll be, it, you'll get over it, but you'll both want to murder each other for about a day. No, but, and but we definitely are process. like, we're definitely like using your language when we're talking about editing things. And oh, like, that's, yeah. That, that yeah. makes me. The whiff of death. The whiff of death. We use that one a lot. The whiff of death. You gotta have it. Yeah. You gotta have it. Yeah. So um, we should, we should fill in. I want to fill in more about, you know, who you are, like what's going on a little bit. Sure. I mean, well, just because, like, I we, I actually don't really know a ton about your background. I mean, you've taught a lot. You've written, like, you, you know how to read, write basically everything, like films, <laughs> dramas, comedies, like all Try the me. things. <laughs> yeah, and um, and you have a, a huge amount of experience, but I don't really know too much about your background. So, but, yeah, how yeah. did you tell um, us? I actually was in pre-med. <gasps> My parents were very sad when I told them. Oh, that no. I, I, said, I said, you know, I don't know if this is going to work out. And they were, they were like, you've wanted to be a doctor forever. And I was like... I mean, not forever. <laughs> but, um, I, I there was a film that was being shot in on my campus. I'm from Canada originally, and um, there was this film that was being shot on the campus. It was a student film. They had a decent budget, and there was this mass email that went out to everybody that went to. I went to Wilfrid Laurier, which is like a, a university just outside of Toronto. And um, I was one of the few art students. It's a primarily business school. And um, so, of course, they sent it out to, like, all, at the time, I was, like, in pre- taking pre-med classes, but I was, like, on the arts track. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't yeah. entirely sure where I was going. So I had, like, a heavy, like, biology, chemistry path. Like, I'll just keep degree. my finger in that. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I was like, well, sociology and psychology and communication studies all require these intro classes anyway. So I'm just going to... So I was enrolled in arts and um, taking science classes and... It, like not failing bio, but almost failing yeah, bio, yeah. and I was this is like, I was like such a um, perfect student from high school, so I was getting these like C's in university, and I'm I literally was like I don't know what to do with yeah. myself right now. Mm-hmm. So this email came around, and I was like, well, when I was in high school, so I, I come from this very small town, very small town. We had uh, 1,200 people in the winter time where I grew up, and then like 12,000 wow. people in the summer because it's a tourist town. Oh my god! So is it on the water the, or something? It's on the water. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like on the ocean. 
So um, it's called St. Andrews by the Sea. Oh. Um, oh my gosh, that's so very, lovely. It's very, very quaint. Very quaint. It's sounds so, like a, it sounds pretty, so quaint. It sounds like It sounds like some sort of show, TV show. Yeah. We're only a couple hours from there. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's was, like my dream vacation. Oh, great. Come visit anytime. I'll get you, I'll get you a good rate at the hotel. Um, so I was in this a high school class, and I was the um, there were only three of us in a media studies class. Like That was like my entire class had three people. And, and it, I had a couple classes in my senior year that were like myself, and that was it. So um, they, they basically said, like my teacher said, like, what do you want to do this year in media studies? And I was like, I don't know. I really like this TV show. Like, maybe I might try and write a script for it. And I'd always kind of had an affinity for writing, um, you know, as you do in high school where you're like just answering questions on a book that you've yeah. read. Um, and so I, they were like, the, the, my teacher was like, great, do it. Go ahead. Like, I don't know anything about it. So you're gonna have to teach yourself. And I was like, well, that's fine. I can figure that out. <laughs> so I spent like the second half of my 12th grade year, sort of like a, like a quarter of it, at least like teaching myself how to write a pilot, um, or a spec script, really. It was for the show Mad About You, which oh, yeah. I'm yeah. not sure if you guys know. Oh, yeah. of course. Okay. Totally. All right. Totally. Well, I, was it's just, a I love Mad About You. <laughs> um, so that was my first spec I ever wrote. And I submitted it to my teacher and he gave me like, not an A plus, he like gave me an A and I was really bitter because I was like, you don't, you don't you just, know anything you about it. You literally just said you don't know how to do this. I think it's perfect. So at that point I knew I was a TV writer. <laughs> so um, I went to school, you know, I still enrolled in this pre-med, switched over after my first year. Um, and then that summer I, we got that email blast like, hey, there's a film shooting and we need people to crew up. So I, I didn't know anything about the practical side of production because I came from a really small town and like had used like an editing bay from 1963 in my media studies class where we're like literally, I'm like literally like... Um, turning knobs. Like, yeah, turning knobs and like sliding dog, like things up and down. And, <laughs> um, so I mean, that was just how we were editing, how we were taught to edit, which I think nowadays I would be like a special person yeah. because I know how to do that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so I, I wrote to the producer and I was like, hey, like, I don't know anything about making a movie, but like, happy to help you out. Like if you need like an errand person or whatever. Yeah. So he was like, yeah, you know, come by my office and, and, you know, we'll get you doing something. So I ended up being a producer's assistant for that, for that first film. And then, um, and then they had me do some publicity stuff too. And then the next year, so then that was like in the summer in September, I was like, all right, now I'm switching like high communication studies and sociology. Like I didn't want to change schools, but I was like, how can I manipulate my studies to sort of get into this? Um, second year they did another movie, same sort of situation. And then, um, I'm like, you just liked the environment on the set? I just or like... liked, yeah, I just liked, um, I just liked the feeling of being involved in something where I was watching a story come to life. Mm. And to me, it was like, it's one thing to write it, but then I saw it and I, you'd see the dailies and you're like, wow, that was a terrible scene, but like, oh my God, it's real now. Like, it was <laughs> like one of those moments where you're just like, holy cow. And I love, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just. Um, my parents were good at teaching me things, but just like cooperation and knowing mm -hmm. that like everybody is, you have to rely on other people and I'm really bad at relying on people. Like I like to do everything myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> understand? I'm really disappointed. Yeah. I mean, but, and it was at that moment I was like, I realized like I can't do everything by myself. So it was also really good, like just for my own psychological state to, to sort of put a pause on being a control freak and like controlling my domain but knowing that I'm relying on other people yeah so it was a good lesson in that for me and I think I got something out of that um so I graduated I moved back home and um as you do <laughs> and I was working at the hotel in my town like managing a fitness center and one day the head of the hotel came down to me and he was like hey he's like so there's gonna be this film coming to town they're gonna shoot at the hotel and like 
you're basically the only one in the entire town that's ever worked on a movie. And oh I was God. like, it was a student film, but okay. <laughs> and um, so they said, well, we're going to give you like eight weeks off to go work for the production because they what? have to hire local. They, they had to hire local people. Oh, was that like a stipulation? It was like a stipulation of like the budgeting of the province was going to give them tax you know, ta- some kind of a tax break if yeah. they hired at least half or more of the people <laughs> in the town. Which you have 1,100 people in your town, like pretty much everybody's working. Right? <laughs> so, that, um, that itself, like the behind the scenes of that, seems like like a like a Christopher Guest. Oh, absolutely! It was such. It was, you had the locations person. I'll never forget the locations person was like going into places. She's going. I'm the locations person for a feature film. We're like, we know who you are. Like you're, you're a librarian. Like, you're like, I was literally yeah. the same. You're like Betty. We. I, yeah, I'm like. You know. I just saw you at the gas station. <laughs> this entire new person. That's amazing. I saw you buy that Slim Jim. Oh, you're, yes, not, exactly. you're not fooling me. Exactly. <laughs> we know you smoke hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, so I, I had this opportunity and um, they put me in the office like just kind of like as the production secretary and then within a couple of days like they realized the people they'd hired from the town that said they knew how to do things really didn't. didn't. And so I ended up getting a ton more experience and more work just like practical set stuff. And I was like 20, not even two at the time. I think it was 21. Um, and the actor who was working at that film was Billy Baldwin, who mm-hmm. I love dearly to this very day. And he's like, what are you doing after this? And I was like, I have a job at a fitness center that I got. That thing doesn't run itself. <laughs> and very said, important. It's a very important job. That um, thing doesn't run itself. So somebody's got to clean the hot tub. Um, so, oh. that, yeah, oh. that's a whole other story. Um, but so he was like, well, he's like, you know, do you would you be interested in coming to to be my assistant he's and I was like I don't know how to do that and he's like it's just basically this but for me and I was like okay so um so yeah that's kind of how I started like just in the industry itself and I worked in LA for a year and realized like I really I did want to be like a writer and I liked writing and I, I moved to New York shortly after um and tried to get into like grad school but didn't try like I looked at the price tag and that was my trying I was like nope I'm yeah, can't yeah. sorry yeah so I, I do you remember the guys you I don't know how long you've been in the city but um do you remember the Barnes and Noble that was across from the Tower Records on the Ever West Side it was on like like Lincoln Center Barnes and Noble it's yes. where Century yes. 21 yes. is now yes. mm-hmm. um I used to go there every day after work because I worked at a bar when I first moved to the city and I used to go there between like 10 o'clock in the morning until my shift at the bar and I would take every screenwriting book and I would write it out by hand because I also couldn't afford oh, yeah I couldn't afford God. to buy the book the hustle so I, is real <laughs> so I wrote I would have just pages I wish I still had them I mean I literally wish I still had them I probably save a lot of money in my library but um just pages of all of the screenwriting books like writ- handwritten out and I would read them and like you know sort of take notes like it was like something I was doing for college that I couldn't afford to go to so um I think that that helped a lot I think just like in just the whole like reading writing it out and then reading it from the notes that I've done and I typed it all up so it was very a tactile learning experience Mm -hmm. for me but um over the course of a year I think I read like 17 books so um and wrote them (laughs) I I rewrote 17 17 books (laughs) so transcribed transcribed 17 books so that's how I taught myself how to screenwrite and then um from there it's just a matter of like reading scripts and doing whatever I could to to learn more about how other people did it. Cause I think it's really important to not, it's though there is a, a craft to it. I think mm-hmm. everybody kind of brings something of their own to it. 
Um, and I think learning how, what works for some people but doesn't work for other people and like trying to emulate it. I think it's really important for you to try and emulate other people's writing just because you know, they might handle description a certain way and you're like, I'm going to try and do it this way. And they're like, oh, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't even sound like me. Yeah, yeah. But you've tried it and now you have that in like your toolbox of, of how to do it. So that's kind of how I started. Um, there was a group a billion years ago called the New York City Screenwriters Collective. But before it had a title, it was literally 12 people in the basement of this little restaurant <laughs> called Swizz. 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 That sounds um, gross. <laughs> it, was, it was a Sounds fondue. like they have nacho it cheese was, there. It was. It was a Swiss fondue place. That's literally what it was. It's closed oh my down God. now, but all they did, it was Swiss fondue. And they had this basement in the in the You're restaurant. So weird. <laughs> so weird. Basement in the restaurant that was made of stone. Like I think it was also probably like a nuclear like shelter. Fallout shelter. Yeah, exactly. And a bar that nobody ever staffed because there were only nine of us, but we, they let us have the downstairs for free, which is gold oh, in this yeah. city. Oh, yeah. Um, and we would sit there and we would pick apart each other's scripts. Like we would submit a script the week before, and everybody, the nine of us, would read it, and then we'd give you like pretty much criticized feedback on it. We didn't really get the like positive and negative. We just were like, <laughs> so here's how I think it sucks. Yeah. Um, but it was actually very helpful. And then, you know, there was always one person that was kind of moderating it. And so I was quickly bestowed a moderating job. So it's essentially like running a class. Um, we went from like nine people to, I think, I think the person who was running it shut down the group when it hit like like thirty five hundred because it was becoming it was a little it was eating itself like wow. it was a meetup yeah. group with thirty five hundred people That's on it nuts. so yeah. we separately a group of us kind of started our own offshoot of it which is something I run today so okay. it's um, the New York City New York Screenwriters Co op NY mm-hmm. Scoop. and it does much the same um, thing we've taken our own spin on it it's a similar it's a similar take on it. Um, the one thing I really wished I would have known was when you get into a room, when people have read your script and you get that chance and that opportunity to sort of like go in and sit down with an executive or an agent or a manager or whatever, it's what are the what are the questions? I should have been prepared for the questions that I was going to get. So the way that we've turned it around, the, the model that I've chosen to sort of set it by was the first half of the the class. It's a two-hour class, and it's free. We don't charge mm-hmm. anything. We just ask you to buy a... Again, we found a place that gives us it for free. Mm-hmm. So Stone Creek, everybody go there. It's <laughs> the greatest place ever. Um, so buy a drink. Buy, buy a drink. Yeah, exactly. we just in, in, invite people to buy a drink. And I think it's actually helpful anyway because everybody's a little more relaxed. Like, oh, totally. are notoriously yeah. like, uptight and yeah. not very social. So. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of like prickly but introverts yeah, that are together. Literally. They're like, okay, now talk. Uh, I'm about not screenwriting. Um, so so we, um, the first half of the class is a similar situation where everybody that's in the room, which usually are anywhere between 15 and 35, just depending on the weather and right. who's available, and it's all just sign up. We have, right now, after after a year, we already have almost uh, 600 people in the group. So it's like, it's, 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 a good, it's a good crew of 30 people usually. Um, and they read the script the week before, and then they have the first half is... Um, I like to, like I said, I like to emulate that being in the room. So instead of just saying like, here are the things I liked about it and here are the things I didn't like about it, I actually ask the people that have read the script to pose questions to the author based on what they've read. Mm-hmm. So the author then has a chance to reply immediately. So it's like, it's, it's very much like being in a room where the executive would be like, why did you choose to have the character do that instead of that? Okay. And you have to think on your feet. And I or think, like, what's going to happen in episode yeah, three? What's what, yeah, how do you see the series playing out? Like things like that are like, you know, I really like that character, but why did you choose to have them do this when they could have done that and they would have been likable? So it, it, it 
I don't like to say that there's any wrong way to write, right. but you just need to be able to defend yourself as a writer. Like, what are the choices I've made, and how can I say this is the reason why I've done it? So that's sort of the the, the well, class. Well, that seems tough. It's it's a little scary. Um, I have a couple of my students from from my this class of of Gotham going to. Um, this other one and, and she the first person the, who went she was like I was terrified and she's like I sat between two people who have obviously been coming a while it was like one of them's a professor at NYU and the other yeah. one's like so it's just like you get we have a really interesting crew of people but um, yeah and then the second half we just do instruction like based on the problems that people have brought up like mm-hmm. how do we fix it so the goal is just to get everybody to the next draft um, so anyway I, well, I, and also just having like I, the conviction yeah of you know and, and being able to defend it like it, and if you don't know the question that's okay just say you know what I have to work on that in the next draft like mm. being able to admit that like maybe you've made a choice that seemed right at the time but ne- you've had like five people read it and four of them don't understand it like oh okay well I guess you're my audience yeah. so yeah. something's yeah. got to stick somewhere else so I think it's important for writers to sort of have to defend themselves because and I think that actually takes away a lot of the fear when you're giving your work away to for someone else to read you're like oh my god I'm standing naked in front of a room like mm-hmm. what are they going to say but if you feel sort of empowered to answer their questions or like call them back on it, like okay, like maybe you had a bad day at work, so that's why you hate this character. So like, here's why I chose it. <laughs> right. Does he remind you of your boss? Because <laughs> maybe that's the thing. So um, so anyway, that's kind of been my my trajectory. I've sort of kind of gotten in, like I like if if it's not there, just start it. So that's sort of what I've done. Mm. You know, um, and that's it's definitely great advice. <laughs> fallen into stuff so um i'm very fortunate and i think someone told me once that like fortune is timing and talent so i think i'm i think i have a talent and i think mm-hmm. I, I think i'm just really lucky to have very good timing and you know so then I mean, make well i mean decisions. i also think there's like nothing that's luck related about going down copying down 17 <laughs> books right. you know that's like there's that's just elbow grease that's like a lot that's yes. dedication or, in or there. you know something else i mean yeah there might be some sort of chemical balance <laughs> <laughs> i might have had to have been on something but that's okay i feel like i have like so many more questions like follow-up questions yeah sorry i'm gonna let you go no i was first of all i just really liked what you said about emulating like writers that you like because I think sometimes the impulse is to be like well I have to do something completely new that like no one has ever written like this before or whatever but then this sort of that sort of idea goes back to the whole like like classical painter kind of method where it's like you have to like be able to reproduce the 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 um, Rembrandt yeah the, the Rembrandt or whatever before you you can then move on to like become Picasso or whatever mm-hmm. I mean, not that I'm Comparing everybody to Picasso, like um, they—that was sort of that how the school of thought then was that you had to be able to reproduce everybody else's paintings before you could prove that, like, actually, I have the skill to now have my own style. Mm-hmm. So having hearing that applied to writing is really interesting. So I guess that's not a question, that's just a comment. But my uh, my question was that so you so you have sort of been. Um, primarily based in New York for the majority yeah. of your career, and yeah. like what Most of it. drove that choice? Um, I don't, you know, I think my experience with LA was mm. I was, I was <laughs> broke. <laughs> I was broke, and gas was expensive, mm. and so it was like literally. I think it was like at the time. I remember it being like almost four dollars a gallon when I was living out there, and you only had enough because I wasn't paid a month. I was 21 years old so I was paid a decent salary but I was paid like a 21 year old should yeah, be paid yeah, frankly right. and I would have enough gas to get through my week and so it was one of those things where like I felt very stifled and it's like you can't go I anywhere couldn't else. go anywhere I, couldn't <laughs> really have, I didn't have a lot of fun so I think I, I look at LA as a very like 
I also didn't love the people. No offense, LA, but like there was a lot. You'd walk into a room, and the first question was like, "Well, who do you do? What do you do? Who yeah. do you, well, who do you do too? Honestly, but like, <laughs> who are you? And like, you know, what what's your job? And yeah. how can you help me? Everything was almost like a, should I know you? And it wasn't like a, hey, you seem like a cool person. I yeah. want to have coffee with. It was like, can I give my resume to you, and then you can give you it can to your friend, and then you know, I'll, but don't worry, I'll loop you in on it. So, um, it, that kind of that stuck with me, and it's not a fair look at LA I go back now and I'm like oh this is a great place like I can go hiking every day yeah, if I want to and like the you know weather. yeah I land oh. and it's like 72 degrees and people are like it's cold today yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that it is kind of an epicenter and it takes it's a lot harder to be a writer in New York just because it does require you keeping up like finding somebody in LA and then keeping up that relationship mm-hmm. and doing that you know 2,800 miles away, 3,000 miles away, that's a challenge sometimes. So you, it does require more travel, and it does require, like, popping in for a weekend. Like, that, uh, L.A. weekend trips are terrible. But, you know, <laughs> you, sometimes you just got to, like, fly out on a red eye and come back on a red eye. Oh. And um, it, it's, you know, it's a lot easier now that we have, like, video conferencing, like Skype and all that sort of stuff, like whatever you want to use. There's a million of them now. Um, and I think that that's helped a lot. And I also think that just a shift of not having to be in L.A., there is actually, like, a lot of showrunners don't live in L.A. anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that that's helpful. I think it's just kind of like a general tendency to, like, oh, we don't need to pay you to be here. We can pay you, and you can live in Ohio. And, like, <laughs> right. We can you pay know. you less. And yeah, you can exactly. So, um, so I think that that's been helpful. I also like to look at it as, and, I mean, I'm not, like, the way that I'm in the industry in New York is different. Like I'm not, I don't write on a show and I've right. had the opportunity to write on a show, but I just chose not to, um, which some people shake their head at me, but it's not, <laughs> it's not what I really enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, so I'm more of the like de- development side of mm-hmm. New York. And I think in the city, there's a lot of opportunity for writers as long as they're like willing and happy to do a development route. And I actually, I, my favorite thing to do is to read a script and fix it. So um, it's, it's way easier than writing. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you what's wrong with yours. <laughs> Professionally, and you can pay me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that, like, you, you have to make a choice. Um, if you want to write in a room, I think just the number of rooms in L.A., just proportionally, it's right. a lot easier to get a job. You're, it's harder to do it here. It's like there's, like, I don't no know rooms. if there's a half a dozen. I think there might be ten shows, maybe, that shoot in New York, okay. and a lot of them are long-running shows that aren't looking for rooms. So... Um, I think that that's a challenge. And, and so if that's what your goal is, it's, it is harder to do in New York. But I prefer the, like, let's get you to the room stage. Like, let's make sure that we can get it in a room. Let me get your script to that point. So, like, kind of like the kernel early development phase. Yeah. That's what I like. So Polishing someone else's work. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like literally like catching the football at the two end line. Yeah. Like, that's what I like to do. I'm like, and touchdown. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's that's sort of how, that's sort of how I roll is like taking someone else's work and I love I just love stories so much and I love someone else's story. I, I, as a kid, I always loved being read to, mm-hmm. and I think that I mean I hate I, I hated reading, but I love being read to. So I think I've turned that into this thing where I'm an adult where I'm like, well, you have to read because it's weird to have someone read to you when you're 38. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like look, feeling like a story and going like, oh well, there's a hole here, like this doesn't connect with this. How can we make this happen? Or like, wow, this seems super offensive, but like, <laughs> let's change that a little bit. So, um, so yeah. I, I want to ask a little bit about, about your review process, if sure. you don't mind. 
because there's a there's the micro level of the on uh, from a scene to a scene, a mm -hmm. scene itself working, and then there's the macro, the whole piece working. And you know, I've been watching more television lately than I ever had before, and noticing the different sort of cadences that different shows have. Mm -hmm. And there are some shows that I think my guess is that because producers and writers have had previous success, that there are companies that are or production or networks that are willing to take a chance on them because their their stories develop over much longer periods and multiple episodes, things like that. So I guess the question I'm asking, all of that said... That was um, the deuce that you're talking about, Yeah, right? that, that's yeah. an example. <laughs> the deuce is something that develops over many episodes, yeah. and, and, and it's great. Which is that, exactly the opposite of what I teach, really. Like, I mean, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the, the storylines are not, are not like tied up. Like the pilot, per se, like doesn't give you that much about it doesn't. what the show is. Uh, but I imagine that's because those producers and writers have already had previous success. They've already they, sold their whole season. They don't yeah, care. They, they know they have it, like 11 episodes to, to play it out because they've pre-sold the season. So right. So when, exactly. when you're reading something, do you, do you read something in its entirety first before you, before you mark it up at all to get a sense of where it's trying to go? Or are you really, That's a really good scene by scene and, and as issues pop up, you just... I'm I'm also a copy editor just by by heart by yeah. nature, so I I this I'm listen I don't know if you get supported <laughs> by Apple but like the iPad Pro for screenwriters and for script editors is the most amazing thing in the whole really? world because you can write like you edit with a pencil on the script, so I can copyright like what I end up doing is I go through and I and I edit all the copy while I'm reading so if there's like a comma out of place or like you know my craziness with any kind of gerund yeah. like <laughs> get rid of them all. Um, so I do that first, and in doing that, I'm reading the page. I, I, it's very hard for me to do this over the like an entire script. I usually have to break a script up in two because it takes me a long time to actually read and and give coverage of any kind on a script just because I'm doing the, the hard line copywriting mm -hmm. at the same time, copy editing. Um, and so for me... I think I read in chunks. I sort of get to, like, I tell myself when I'm going to sit down, like, okay, like, I have a, I'm currently behind on this poor person's 60-page drama <laughs> that they asked me to read a million years ago. And um, I sat down the other day to actually do it, and I was like, okay, it's like 64 pages. First of all, it's too long, but it's 64 pages. <laughs> um, first I'm gonna, comment, yeah, long, first comment, <laughs> cut out five scenes. Um, but I, I like, okay, you're going to get to page 32. So I had to give myself that number, and, and I think what I end up doing is, well, like I've, I've been thinking about those first 32 pages right now. Um, at, after I've done all the edits on the page, I'm also making like writing questions as I'm going, like, why would she choose to do this? And then like three pages later, I'm like, oh, never mind. I like, yeah, like, ignore question five. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, it's a very much like an, uh, I, I dive into a project, and I don't go scene by scene. I sort of go just like overall story, but it does take me some time to like break up the story and actually um, to, to do it. So um, I think that in that case, um, yeah, it's it's more of like a whole like a holistic approach to it, where right. I just look at the whole story and then I, and then I think about it and then I'll go back and go like more into um, the detail of what's going on and stuff like that. What so. are the things that you hate? Uh, Do you see like things that happen over and over all the time that God, you just hate, are like? I hate the way people describe their characters. It's <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing for me. Like I always. I think it's because there's a couple of reasons. I think, first of all, I don't like anybody telling me what to do. So if they're telling me that this person looks exactly like this way, I'm like, but that's not how you've written it. Like, so mm -hmm. I'm, I have this weird vision in my head that this person has 
pretty much put into my brain, but then the person on the page that I'm seeing doesn't match. So I think, and I also think descriptions are very based on like physical aspects, which I think are not important in Mm -hmm. writing because that's up to a casting director, that's up to the director, that's up to like so many other people speaking of the cooperation part. Like you're the writer, like I, I, you guys know, like I always say like, give give me a physical characteristic that I can remember this character by and give me an emotional characteristic that I can remember this character by. And that's all I really need. Like I don't, you don't need to have the age unless it's really important. Like, like 42. Okay, well, what if they're 38? Right. Like, right. what's right. the difference? You know, middle age. Okay, well, that, that's fine. Like, somewhere in her 30s. Usually I try and describe my characters as being, like, late 30s. Mm-hmm. Just And then it's late 30s because, A, it's who I'm writing from, but, B, it's also that moment of just, like, you know, I'm setting a time frame for this person's trajectory in the story. Right. Like, all the things that are happening. But, like, to be, like, 42, giant boobs. I'm, like, <laughs> I mean, unless you're writing a porn, it's I'm just right. not... I mean, unless there's a reason... Yeah, yeah, there's exactly. There's a giant boob gag that will come in. them to protect <laughs> right. other people. Right. Like, okay, fine, that's important. But, like, if it's not a superpower, it's not important, you know? I, I, I And why don't they, that. like, even describe the other side? They're, like, she's, she's you know... I, her breasts are lopsided. Like, why does it always have to be the perfection? That's the thing. And when mm, people d- describe the, their characters, they're always perfect. And that really bugs me because I think characters are just generally flawed. I, mean, I think you want to try and write a flawed character. Right? Yeah. It's more and interesting. if you've given me a perfect characteristic of somebody visually, like, you know, Adonis, and then Adonis is like, you know, that's where they find their irony, or at least they think they try to find their irony, is like this good looking guy who's a bumbling idiot. And you're just like, a, I've seen it before, yeah. and B, like that's not that's not compelling. So I think for me, the things I hate are, are character descriptions. I just I just think that they're really <laughs> poorly used and poorly written, and you know either they're underwritten or they're overwritten. Like there's like I read a script the other day that had like five lines on this character, and I'm like I don't need to know all of this. Like let's just have them yeah. talk. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Let me figure it out through what they do. So um, yeah, I think I hate that. Um, I can't really think of anything else that I really hate. Um, I hate I hate stereotypes. Like that yeah. drives me crazy. Um, break the stereotype. Doesn't matter what it is, but like break it. Like that's more interesting to me to have a character that's broken a stereotype than someone who just like lines up in in what it is. You're right. just like I've read this before, and it also didn't do well. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Be, be the bigger, be the change. Um, <laughs> but I think I think that's really what it is for me. Those two things. I think descriptions and 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 stereotypes, which is actually kind of description anyway. So um, yeah, right, I think I think character. It's all character development. So dialogue to me, like you can write flat dialogue, and some people are just good at dialogue, and some people are just bad at dialogue, mm-hmm. and. I've been in the other side of the industry so long that I know that, you know, a lot of actors have script approval. So dialogue's important to sell your script, but, like, script approval is... Yeah, what's that? It's basically, like, if you're a certain caliber of actor uh-huh. and oh, you've you signed on to it, you can change the dialogue. Oh, okay. So if you, if you, if this dialogue doesn't work like, for I'm you or whatever... That. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's... Term- I would never say that. Yeah. They can change it to suit them. Usually they'll do um, a take with the actual dialogue that's been written but then the actor's allowed to do whatever they need to do as assuming that the director is okay with it right. so in that part like the writer really falls so low on the totem pole at that point that like you, you just have to kind of know that your dialogue is probably going to change you know and um I, I produce a lot on the side and mostly just shorts and and you know whatever someone goes like hey i need help producing something i'll yeah. be like sure and my favorite thing is to let the characters improv. Like, here's yeah. the script. Now you guys will do a whole take, so, like, make sure you're off book. But then, like, okay, now on this take, like, 
have fun with it. Like, yeah. like you be, know where you natural. need to end up. Yeah, exactly. As long as you're hitting that beat at the end of it, like have fun. So I, you get more natural stuff out of actors when, when you're allowing them to not, you know, write, say every word. So, right. um, I think just as a writer on, when you flip it around to do the producer side of it, like I can go like, my words are important to set the tone and to make sure that, you know, like if, if there is a joke and it's a funny one like just try and say it but <laughs> but in the end it's it's like, such a I laughed a lot at this one. <laughs> exactly Help me out I, I it took me a long time to write that joke so um but yeah I think I think that's really important but like back to the collaboration um right being a writer you're the most important person and I can say that because I'm a writer but um you're the most important person because it's your story mm-hmm. but at the same time once you've given it to somebody else it's like you also have to be the best sharer yeah. <laughs> because you're watching it change and having to adapt to, to what other people want to do to your story. And you just have to be either okay with it and allow it or just produce it and then don't let them. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think that's a real challenge. So um, I don't know. I went on a tangent. You asked me something. I think no, I answered it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty yeah, sure I did. Like, what, so what, are, what do you think is like some things that are happening or that you think are maybe like coming like anything or going Um, or going (laughs) or going yeah um I think I mean there's so many channels nowadays so so many so much opportunity to program um I think a lot I think we're actually getting to this point of saturation with television where you're just there's just a lot of crap on television right now um and I think it has something to do with like, oh, we have a you know twelve episode order, like quick, we have to get it out, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I think that there's a uh, not as much of a focus on writing good stuff anymore. Um, I think a lot of, and I don't mean to bash anybody younger than me, but I think there's a lot of really young writers. And I know like if you were to subtract twelve years off of my life and then said, okay, now write a pilot, mm-hmm. I would it wouldn't be the same right. caliber. And I think that. <laughs> Um, that's a thing because a lot of young writers are willing to work um, not being a part of the WJ, like not being unionized, so they can pay them whatever they want to, yeah. to write. To the, you know, the production company will be like, great, we'll give you $3,000 to write a pilot, which is great. They'll probably write an okay pilot, but they're 28 and like right. they just don't have the experience of developing story and like just even living life. I, the, right. I'm, I attribute lifespan to being able to be a good writer. Um, so I think that that's why there's like this real kind of wash. I think another thing that I'm seeing a lot of is like film film going into television, um, which is like the new hot thing, like to have all of the top actors and all of the yeah. top directors. Like, and it, it's becoming to this point where people are just like, oh, I can't do this because I can't compete with like, you know, David O. Russell who yeah, gets right. <laughs> thirty five unlimited budget or whatever. Like do yeah. an episode like it's it's too much for people to like look at so you you go okay well i can't ever write for hbo or showcase uh showtime yeah. um which is fine because i you know you shouldn't aim to write for those ones anyway because they're so such a like limited um opportunity right. place to write with um but it, it also you go like okay well then i'm gonna write for this and they're like oh i'm sorry network is all full so then you're like well what am i left with so yeah. i think <laughs> i think i think there's that problem um and i think the trend is you're gonna i think what you're gonna see is that Fewer networks are going to have, um, they're going to drop their their scripted time yeah. because I just, I think, you know, reality TV sort of took over a whole bunch of really terrible years of television and yeah. then mm-hmm. there was a swing where we were like, oh, well, let's get back into scripted. But now the scripted is so watered down that I think we're gonna you're gonna end up seeing that other shift back to something else. I don't know what it's gonna be. I think there's a lot of limited series. I think you're just gonna find a real. Um, I hope at least 
the UK model of television is re- I really love it because if the show is over the show is over like yeah. it's, if it's a season only going to be two, two yeah, seasons or three exactly. seasons exactly and then it's done and you know the North American system of television isn't like that because it's all about advertising dollars mm-hmm. whereas the UK system is and very like subsidized uh, so yeah. like they don't have to worry as much because they know the government's going to pay for their mm-hmm. or at least a lot of their right. series whereas here it's kind of like a snake pit where you're like if there are eyeballs to win. on it yeah exactly we'll, you have to we'll win we'll produce shit if you'll watch it absolutely and people <laughs> We'll watch it. Well, and it's always the race to, like, getting to... I read this really interesting article about, like, you know, the race to getting to, like, 100 episodes. Yeah. Because then once you tip over that line, then there's, You'll you know... get paid for the rest of your yeah. life. Yeah. Right. So it's, like, I think... I think there's going to be... I think this, the shift is into more... Um, I think it's beyond a limited series. It's longer than a limited series, but not so much, like, getting to that 100 episode mark just because of, you know, the streaming networks and stuff like that. They don't care as much, like... They don't care if they get to 100 yeah. episodes. Right. They don't want you to go to 100 episodes because <laughs> right, right, right. they want to put something else on in its place. So um, I think th- I think you might see in the next few years, like um, I know somebody who's actually developing a series right now that has, I think he said it has 17 episodes, which is essentially two seasons, and then mm-hmm. it's over. Mm-hmm. It's just done. And the, the story is told, told, and your character has achieved its super objective. Have a good yeah. night. Like yeah. it's the end. And I, I, I really appreciate that because I think a lot of stories can be told in a limited amount of time. I don't think you need... I think one of the hardest parts about writing for television right now is like coming up with a series engine that you can literally create you know, 100 episodes out of. Like, what is that one thing that's going to grease my wheels for for four seasons or five seasons or whatever it yeah. is? So. Yeah, I feel like as a writer, that seems very appealing, the idea that you can actually put an end bracket on you know like tell a story like this is it this is what's gonna happen um so i I think that i think that that's where the shift is sort of going i'm seeing a few um studios right now sort of like accepting um and again not limited series just short they're shorter series is all they are it's like Mm -hmm. if the trajectory of the story is finished then the story is over and i like that because i can also commit in my own personal TV viewing way, way, like I'm like I can watch 11 episodes you know and be done with it. Totally agree with that because yeah. I love TV. I love watching TV, but at the same time, there's a lot of like of the really like prestige shows that I haven't watched. I haven't either because I'm like, oh my god, I have to commit like. Okay, I've never seen The Sopranos, for instance. Yeah, Mad and Man. I'm like, and I, I want to watch it like theoretically, but it's like every time I try to sit down, I'm like, well, I want to sit down to this. It's like seven years. It's seven years. <laughs> <worth of laughs> it's like I have to like that's oh, a I know. big I think commitment. We talked about it in, in the classic. I've never seen The Wire, and like The Wire is supposed either. to be like I the loved greatest the greatest television show it. in the history of TV. And I I had the experience though of watching it like communally, mm-hmm. so that really helped because it was like it was like kind of like. You know, like the book club kind of situation where you're kind of watching it together and like wanting to know what's going to happen and that sort of thing. But like, I do think it would be really daunting. I haven't seen Breaking Bad either, which is I've seen parts of Breaking Bad, but again, I haven't seen the whole thing. Like, I was not into it. I started Walking Dead when it first. Like, I, I got in on the first season, and now I'm one of those people that, I like, I watch and I don't know why. My roommate uh, is that person, too. I'm like, I don't like, know I, why. She's like, I hate it. I it's love it. I can't like, not watch I, it. Exactly. It's just... I, will, I mean, I will text my friend when I'm watching, like, this was the line of dialogue that somebody just got paid to write and say. Like, yeah. you're just like, what is going on? But, like, I also think that it was in, in the first couple seasons, it was a, an amazing show and, like, one of the better ones on television yeah. at the time. So it's like... Yeah, well, that one, like that, that one is one that sort of that went where, beyond, beyond its expiry date oh, a little I, bit. Yeah, so. I think I think I think that's one of the problems with television <laughs> is that, I mean, it's not even a problem. Like, it's great for advertisers and everything like that, and it's what employs so many people. But 
um, when you do have that expectation of coming up with that many episodes, I think it's I think it's daunting to anybody. And I think that's also one of the reasons why a lot of shows don't sell is because it might be a really an amazing idea, but the, you have so many eyeballs looking at it for so many different things. And in the end, it's mm. just going to come down to like how much money we're going to make on it. Right. Yeah. Um, right. And if they can see a show that's like, if in their head it looks like it has 13 episodes versus one that has like 37, they're like, we're going to go with the bigger one. Sorry. Yeah. So my hope is that we do push more to like just telling stories that need telling to be told. Telling stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well then, Vanessa, I want to thank you so much for taking your time you on, on a this Saturday, your precious free time. So fun. Yeah, I know your yeah. precious free tra- time. It could be writing, writing time. <laughs> no, I, would, I wouldn't be writing. I'd be doing laundry or something like that. So I wouldn't have to be writing. And we could pick your brain for hours, but we will let oh. you off the hook. Mm-hmm. Anytime. I, this, is, this was really fun. But thank you so much.